Hi, I'm Jillian Swinford. And I'm Haley Brolison. And this is Mother Nature Will Kill You. A podcast about the most horrific tragedies and the most triumphant survival stories that the wilderness can provide. So grab your backpack and maybe a bottle of wine and let's go on a wild ride into the unknown. Walking down this road I go, but I am going alone, running far, far from home, till I am skin and bone. everybody um happy new year and um hoping here's to hoping that uh we don't fall further into rock bottom 2022 but yeah definitely <laughs> precedent for it <laughs> yeah i just we're just yeah can only go up right well we could go down but let's let's not let's try to stay positive <laughs> Nobody claimed 2022 is your year. It's not your year. Let's just tread carefully. You won't know if it's your year until December 31st. Exactly. Exactly. I hate that people do that. They're like, oh my God, this year is going to be my year. It's the year I'm going to turn it all around. I appreciate the positivity though. Mm. I do. I do appreciate a good, ambitious, positive person. Yeah. Yeah. you're like I don't <laughs> <laughs> you're like yeah good for you Haley but uh <laughs> oh um I meant to this can be cut from the recording but um I am so sorry about the loss of your Nana oh thank you yeah oh that's why I was on the phone with my parents this morning about some of that stuff which is why mm-hmm. I was like take your time <laughs> right right it uh yeah that's was very sudden and it's such a bummer uh and it's just a very very hard time for my dad's side of the family right now yeah so yeah safe to say she died of a broken heart that's like all I can really mm-hmm. chalk that up to be she like she was super heartbroken over the loss of my aunt Laura which is like totally understandable that was her youngest child mm-hmm. and like you know, although she's an adult, it's still very hard to have like your child pass before you. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, yeah, and I guess my nana had some sort of like she went to a physical, I guess, recently, and they were like, "Oh, you have some sort of heart issue. We're gonna put you on blood thinners, so it just kind of helps it or whatever." I don't know all the ins and outs of that. Um, and I guess she, the, the my, when my mom called me the other day, she just said that, you know, it was like 3 a.m. I think my Nana woke up and she's like, I don't really feel, she just didn't feel well. And she just called an ambulance. Okay. I don't really feel that well. Like, I think I need to go to the hospital. Mm -hmm. And, um, I found this out after my mom called me, but apparently my uncle had relayed information after the fact that like my Nana hadn't really been feeling that well for like a couple of days. Like she was complaining about like her heart or something like that for a couple of days. 
but you know, she just one early, early morning, just did not feel well, called an ambulance. Uh, they took her and they just said, Oh, like, we're going to have to, you know, give you heart surgery. And so like, she went in for heart surgery and it was when she was recovering that they went to go take her blood pressure. Cause it was like the, the machine was beeping that it was falling. Mm-hmm. And then it just, it just kept going. So it was like, she just didn't recover from heart surgery. It's like really what happened. Yeah. So I, my, it's kind of like wishy-washy. Cause like my, my one aunt said it was like a massive heart attack. My dad said it was a heart attack. And then like my mom saying that it was, she, she passed when she was recovering from heart surgery. But like the story is like, oh, she just wasn't feeling well. I'm like mm-hmm. went in. So I, I really don't know the whole story, but it was definitely like a heart issue and she had surgery and then she just didn't recover from the surgery. She was 85, you know, it's really hard. Yeah. Um, but she is definitely super broken up about Laura's passing. And I think, you know, it was just died of a broken heart type of situation. So yeah, I mean, that that stuff does happen sometimes. It does. I, and it seven weeks after Laura passed. So it's, you know, very doesn't happen right away. Obviously it happens, you know, people can't take grief for so long. Yeah. So um, it just very much came as a shock to all of us. And, um, I'm really grateful that I went home for Christmas Yeah, and saw her. So other, other than that, how's your 2022 going so far? I mean, health wise, it's looking better. Well, that's every, good. Every day is a little bit better. I, uh, ended up getting antibiotics for something else, but I think it's really helping whatever was in me to get flushed yeah. out. Yeah, that's good. So, but the only thing now is like my stomach is kind of fucked up from everything. And so day by day, my stomach is getting a lot better. Um, and yeah, so that's, it's everything health-wise is looking good. My mom thinks that like my stomach is messed up because I've been under so much stress lately. And (laughs) I was like, yeah, you know, when you really think about it, uh, I have, (laughs) so it's like, you know, although planning for the last major event I had for work. And then I, you know, went on a little camping trip to take some time off from that. And then my aunt passed and I got back home mm-hmm. and then I found that there was black mold in our house mm-hmm. and we had to be displaced. My landlord is not the nicest person to deal with. And that was a lot to handle. And then when we finally got back in the house, probably Christmas I started getting sick somehow yeah I got my booster and then all that shit happened and then all the stress of the holidays happening at the same time right there's just so much yeah (laughs) and then in the new year my nana just passed I'm like god damn it yeah (laughs) let's slow down (laughs) yeah yeah it's picking up for me at work I've gotta try to keep these stupid baby flounder alive and it is hard it is difficult and I've done it before last year um around the same time however it was a different tank setup and I found out uh from the hatchery director that gave me the fish that um they may not have been fully switched over to the food source that I had mm-hmm. they may not have been fully acclimated to the food source cool, cool and cool. so I'm experiencing some mortalities and it's not looking great and I'm like okay so this is how the beginning of this year's going yeah 
other than that I mean I guess it's nice to get back into a routine I like actually started working out again which that's good I have not been doing since we moved to the new house because it's just been like one thing after another yeah but um, I need to get back on that workout train as well yeah and I, I bought all of my plants for my garden and I'm good. excited about it and hopefully we won't lose it this year to the rain like we did last year yeah um, like oversaturated all of it well, yeah, we had like record breaking um, rainfall. Like when we were gone in Maui, it rained here more than it did during Harvey, Hurricane Harvey. Oh, wow. So everybody's gardens just drowned. Like That's literally funny. the fields were just like flooded, like, like a swamp. Yeah. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen this year. <laughs> Great. Cross, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, but I am looking forward to that. Um, so actually, as you know, we have two little news stories that I'm going to do before we get into this story that I have, yeah. n- I have no knowledge about. So I'm kind of excited for you to yeah. tell it. Um, but one, um, while I was up in Virginia for the holidays, hmm. there was a survival uh, experience that thousands of people driving on Virginia uh, interstates got to experience during it that made time. national news it did make national news I was not cut up, caught up in it um, Thank God. yes I know basically what happened was um, thousands of people got basically stuck on a 50 mile stretch of I-95 which if you're not familiar with I-95 it's basically the main corridor that runs north to south on the East coast, um, like all the way from like Boston down to Florida. Like Mm -hmm. it's a huge interstate probably has some of the highest traffic rates in the country. And it connects like five major metropolitan areas, including DC, Baltimore, Philly, New York city, Boston. So that's like, it's a busy interstate busy busy interstate and so this that section, seems to be under construction all the time <laughs> it's always fucking under construction yeah so um basically this section from richmond which is the capital of virginia to right right before kind of you start getting into like the major dc suburbs mm-hmm. was completely shut down like you could not go on it and the people who were on I-95 were stuck there. And they were stuck there for over 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> because of a snowstorm, which, I mean, we've experienced snow up there before. And, like, the amount that fell wasn't crazy. It wasn't, like, uh, just a little bit, but it wasn't, like, insane. Mm-hmm. But the biggest issue was... It had been raining that day. I think it was the 2nd of January. It had been raining all morning. And so they weren't able to treat the roads Mm -hmm. at all. And then the snow started falling. Yeah, what I heard was like they treated the roads like a day or two or somewhat something mm -hmm. like that before. And then it rained. So then it washed it all away. And then it stayed wet. So they couldn't retreat it. And then, yeah. And then it froze. Yeah. Yeah, underneath the snow. So there were 
um, two jackknife tractor trailer, like big, you know, semi that Mm -hmm. basically just stopped all traffic on this 50 mile stretch. And um, so people literally just spent the night in their vehicles. Um, And there's pictures of this. A lot of people didn't have necessarily like winter clothes other than jackets. I mean, just imagine just thinking you're going to run out to the grocery store real oh, quick God. and then getting stuck for 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people didn't have blankets or didn't have food. Mm-hmm. Um, some people were trying to get home to other places like because they had spent vacation time up north or yeah. down south. And so and it was both sides of the interstate. It wasn't just one side. It was both of them. Yeah. Um, so some people like straight up abandoned their cars and like walked to gas stations and stuff. If they were Mm -hmm. close enough, the state troopers were slowly clearing away vehicles. But I mean, when you're on a 50 mile stretch, it's going to take some time to do that. Yes. And, uh, so they were, um, walking around from car to car, basically giving supplies, like just walking around on the interstate, giving people supplies. And uh, yeah, so it was literally like, here's an example of this woman, Arlen Tellez, um, said that she uh, was in Caroline County, Virginia, which is about 80 miles south of Washington. And she had been trapped there since 5 p.m. and had spent a total of like 24 hours. Oh, my God. On the road. <laughs> yeah. So um, people's cars, I heard, were also running out of gas. Yes. And so then they just had to leave them. So that yes. was also part of the cleanup was that they had to go back and remove cars, too. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was the other thing is that people were abandoning their cars and they run out of gas. Some people were able to, like, get to gas stations, but a lot of people were just kind of forced to you know, leave their car off to conserve gas. And then they would turn it on for like 30 minutes at a time to like charge their phone and, and warm up a little bit. And then, mm-hmm. and then they'd I, have to turn it off. I read about one guy who took snow and melted it down with the heat in his car for his dog to drink. Cause oh. like he didn't have any water for yeah. his dog. Yeah. It's like, Oh yeah. It, it's very reminiscent to me of when we went through the freeze, except we were in our houses. So we yeah. had like resources. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But it just, I would have gone insane being trapped like that. Me too. I yeah. would have just, I don't know what I would have done. I would just been so bored. Well, that's the other thing. <laughs> <laughs> that's a long time to just be sitting in your car. Yeah. Going nowhere and not have any information on like, when is it going to be cleared? Yeah. Like, you just fall asleep in your car and then like wake up and you're like <laughs> sitting there and like traffic is flying by you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, one of the other people who was stuck was actually Senator Tim Kaine, mm-hmm. um, yep. who was stuck for 27 plus hours. So didn't matter if you were a U.S. senator or just some plebe like like us, like they were all stuck there together. And he said there were actually families there's a family handing out uh, Florida oranges that he, they had bought down in Florida Aww, to people. So that's nice. There was Run some. Scurvy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
And then there was a bread truck that the guy just started handing out loaves of bread to people. Yeah, too, yeah. Because he was stuck. Yeah. So it was it was insane. Um, and also an Amtrak train also got stuck. Oh, really? In the same situation. Yeah. So and five people total died during the storm, but nobody died on 95. It was other accidents and stuff. Oh, Um, okay. I was gonna say I thought that nobody died from the the I-95 situation. No, no one died, thankfully, but I there were other five other deaths um from just the the icy road. Yeah, exactly. That's a bummer. Yeah, so we were actually down in Norfolk. Newport News, Chesapeake Bay area, visiting some people down there. And um, we decided to go up the following day on the third because we were supposed to be um, at Corey's parents' house. And so we had to drive through Fredericksburg, which is right smack dab in the middle of that stretch of um, interstate. Mm-hmm. And it took us two hours to get through Fredericksburg because I'm sure half of the city's power was down. Obviously, they're getting all of the 95 traffic that can't get on 95. And like yeah. you literally could not get on 95. Like I looked at the map and it just said road closed. <laughs> like, yeah, they're jump. like, we are, we're not doing this. <laughs> so thankfully, I mean, we didn't have any issues with like the snow or anything, but it was a little stressful. It was a it's little amazing stressful. how like there were no resources like brought to the people that were stuck and like I'm I know that they can't get there by car or something but yeah. like you would think there's ATVs or something right. around or like airdrop it by helicopter I don't know yeah you know I mean there were troopers giving out supplies but I don't think it was like a widespread yeah phenomenon or if there was like a nearby bridge like yeah. You know, cars can pass over that bridge, just like, you know, put a basket to a rope and just kind of <laughs> lower things down to people. I don't know. Like, I, I mean, feel, yeah, there was like a way I feel like that that could have been a little bit better than it was. Yeah. Um, But there is this company that I'm going to plug real quick for like, this is not an ad. I'm just saying <laughs> that I found this company through like an ad on Instagram, I think. It's called Judy. So like the website is judy.co and Mm -hmm. they are a company that provide emergency packs for all different types of natural disasters. Yeah. And so you can go online and like purchase whatever type of pack you need. And so like, I personally don't have one, but I also personally keep an emergency kit in my car anyway. Right. Like in that emergency kit, I have like a bottle of water, like some hot hands, like a couple granola bars, batteries, flashlight, noisemakers, like, yeah, you know, things like that. Um, And so they have, I'm looking at the kits right now. They have, you know, they're all a couple hundred dollars, but there's one that's 195 and it's the perfect backpack or go bag for evacuations supports up to four people they lay it out really nicely. There's like granola bars, dust masks, glow sticks, ponchos, Mm -hmm. whistles, gloves, a multi-tool, hot hands, emergency blankets. Yeah. Like it's a good one, you know, just stuff like that. Yeah. And and that's, I think you've plugged that on here before actually. Oh, really? Sounds, sounds familiar. Yeah. It really looks like a good kit to get, like there's a first aid kit in these bags and, you know, tissues, wet wipes, Mm -hmm. iodine, it looks like, or something. Um, but yeah, so I just, I'm glad that there is a company out there that does it all for you. You just have to purchase the pack and like keep it in your car or something. 
And I think that's something like going through a natural disaster, like the freeze, like a major hurricane, like something like this is Mm -hmm. like kind of triggers you to start thinking differently, even if you're not like a doomsday prepper or anything about just being prepared because like as climate change is going to only get worse, like these things are going to be happening more and more. And it's just something that like, if, if, you know, you want to survive or if you just at least want to be comfortable when you experience something like this, it's, it's like a good thing to have. And we've been stocking up on stuff as well. Yeah. And like preparing for the winter season. Cause we're like, who knows we could be dealing with a freeze again. Who knows? So yeah, you never know. I have a whole tote of just like dry food that I have for hurricanes yeah yeah that's what saved us uh during the freezes we were prepared for hurricanes that didn't really happen and then we had all these supplies right so so yeah we got double whammies down here in uh, southern Texas it's been (laughs) it's been a real fun um so speaking of natural disasters there was another natural disaster. That's how it happened recently. Yeah. Um, on Friday, I believe. Friday, Saturday. So today is the 16th. So mm-hmm. what's that? The 14th? 14th of January. Right. Yeah. So basically a seamount or an underwater volcano in the South Pacific um, erupted. Um, and basically... Cause is causing uh, tsunamis that are hitting Hawaii, Japan, and Tonga. Um, and basically, Tonga is getting the worst of it because they're the closest. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's been hitting the largest island, Tonga Tapu. And um, basically, there's waves just like flooding the capital right now. Um, and this eruption sent a plume of ash gas and steam 20 kilometers in or 2.4 sorry 12.4 miles into the air and you can see it on satellite like you can see it from space um and uh phone connections and a lot of electricity is down because this um earthquake or eruption also is affecting like the underwater cables and stuff Mm -hmm. basically powering the islands um And so they're, you know, we're not really sure entirely what is going on in the Tongan capital of uh, Nuku'alofa. So there's, this is kind of an unfolding story that I'm going to try to um, keep an eye on, but it's not really clear how widespread the the damage is yet because of that power loss and the the telecommunication loss. Um, But New Zealand has already committed um, 300, sorry, $340,000 in supplies and uh, like support for um, Tonga right now. So Jesus, I'm sure we'll see more, but there've also been um, tsunami warnings in Japan, in the United States, in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. So these areas are also um, starting to potentially see waves in, in these regions from the tsunami, um, specifically in uh, uh, San Diego, uh, King Cove in Alaska, uh, Port Reyes, California. So a lot of places on, on the West Coast are seeing um, Yeah, and some- I'm l- looking at the map now, and it's very far mm-hmm. from those places. So it's 
you know, that just kind of speaks to how powerful the explosion was. Yeah. Um, so I'll keep an eye on that because that uh, that's one of the things that really scares me because we have no control over that. You know, at least with like climate change, it's gotten way out of control, but it's we cause it with earthquakes and stuff. It just can happen whenever the fuck like, yeah, because it's not it's just tied to plates shifting around and we will never be able to control that most yeah. likely. So I don't know. Volcanoes and like earthquakes really kind of freak me out. <laughs> me too. Earthquakes, earthquakes and tornadoes are the two for me that I just do not. Even. Yeah. Like, remember the earthquake that happened in Virginia? Yes. And, like, all the Californians <laughs> made so much fun of, like, the Virginians for not, like, it knowing kind- how to deal with the earthquake. It was, it was a weird. large one. Like, it was come weird. on. It was very weird. I was actually, like, I can, it's very vivid in my mind because it freaked me out. I was in my Nana's house and I was, like, in her living room, just, like, I don't know what I was doing, talking to her from across the room or something. And, She lived, like, in this neighborhood, nowhere close to where, like, an 18-wheeler would be coming by. But it sounded like an 18-wheeler was, like, coming down the street. And I just remember, like, thinking to myself, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but, like, you know when you know that something's not right and Mm -hmm. you're just, like, trying to think through it and then, like, the things start happening and you're like, oh, my God, like, yes, this is not good. And so I was like standing in her living room like, that's really weird that it sounds like an 18 wheeler is coming by like that would not be happening down here. And then like everything started to shake and she was just like getting a door jam. And I Mm -hmm. we just like rushed under a door jam together. And I was like, what is happening right now? And she's like, we're having an earthquake. And and, like all the stuff in her dining room that was on the wall, like fell off the wall and broke and. I, I was like, what? What was that? Mm-hmm. I was like my first real earthquake. And she like was born and raised in California. So she knew exactly yeah. like what to do. She experienced them a lot. So yeah, that's yeah. I was on the second floor uh, in my dorm on the second floor. And I just started feeling it. I wasn't really freaked out um, by it because I kind of realized what was happening. And my parents lived in California. I was actually born in California. Um, I don't remember any of the earthquakes that I experienced, but my parents experienced some pretty rough ones. So they always were like, if there's an earthquake, get in the door frame. So I feel a building start to shake and I like walk out and I look at my roommate and I'm like, is this an earthquake? She's like, <laughs> I don't know. And so we just got into the door frame and, and just kind of well, good there. for you guys because I had no <laughs> fucking idea what's happening. I thought an 18 wheeler was driving down the street. <laughs> yeah, one of these days, um, we'll tackle uh some t- tsunami uh stories like the the one in um Indonesia oh, that was yeah, really that big. One was really bad. Yeah, and uh, my one of my coworkers, Vims. Apparently she dove on like recovery, body recovery stuff for that. Oh, that would fuck a person up. Uh, yeah. So I was, I was like, holy shit, that's insane. But anyway, so those are the uh, two big ones that have happened and I'll keep an eye on what's going on in Tonga. Yeah. And so um, I was just Google searching Tonga to see where it was at because I truly did not know. I thought it was more closer to Japan off like the Japanese coast. Mm-hmm. Little did I know I was very wrong. Yeah, it's South Pacific. Um, yeah. And so um, if you zoom in on 
like the red pin that's on Tonga, there's another red pin that comes up and it says like the tsunami name. Oh, really? Yeah. And if you click on the button, it just brings up all the top stories and I guess most updated information. Yeah. That's cool. Interesting. Neat feature there, Google. Yeah. So it's a island group of islands in the South Pacific, um, kind of near New Zealand and Australia, but it's still very much out on its own. Um, close to Fiji, if anyone knows where that is. Yeah, it's close to Fiji. It's close to Tahiti. American so, Samoa. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, uh, go go check it out. Um, and uh, I'll keep I'll keep uh, watching out for stuff about that. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty. Shall we get into uh, my little story? Yeah, I am really excited because I literally know nothing about it, which is unusual for me. (laughs) I know it's there's not a lot out there about it either. Like I was telling you earlier how everything I was looking up, they pretty much sourced the same to websites that I have already looked at. So I'm just like, all right, it's just more of the same stuff. So it'll be a quick story, but it's a, Mm -hmm. it's just a little interesting story about the Florida Keys, um, in the early 1900s and, Mm -hmm. um, a badass woman really. Yeah. Um, and I just think that the Keys history is super interesting and I should do a better job at learning more about it. Um, There's so much interesting stuff because it's such a unique area. It is. And it just fascinates me that like, the really the thing that really fascinates me is when I start thinking about how it was this all was developed was like the engineering that they needed to have to put mm-hmm. like the pilings and everything in the ocean to like build the railroad and the yeah. bridges and like how the closest port really was Key West and Key West used to be a huge port back in its earlier days but you could only get there by boat and right. just it just like the thought of like being able to get someplace only by boat and then like I've ran a half marathon around Key West like it it literally is like 13.1 miles like circumference so like (laughs) it's not very big so just the thought of like going somewhere that you can only get to by boat and then staying there for a couple of days like while you're in port like and back then obviously it wasn't built up so just thinking about all like the natural elements that were still there like all like the hardwood hammocks and you know the reef and everything it just must have been so cool yeah so well and and it's it's an interesting drive if you've never done it I decided to do it with um my husband who's now mowing the lawn hi Corey loudly thank you you're doing great so I'm sure you can hear that but um (laughs) All of the islands are connected by bridges and you can drive to Key West, which is like the wildest thing because it takes like, what, two, three hours to do from Key Largo down to Key West? Yeah, I'd say so. There's a, it's about a hundred miles from Key Largo to Key West. I've also ran all of that too, from Key Largo to Key West. Oh my God, you're insane. (laughs) Yeah, they do. uh, It's, it's called the Keys 100 and you get a team together and it's like a relay race and you, you, each member does like a couple miles at a time Mm -hmm. and everyone rents like those big vans. And so, yeah, you, Oh, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And so like you caravan down and like wait for your team member at the next stop and then you trade off. And so, and that happens in May when it's like so freaking hot, Yeah, already. but it's fun now because like whenever I'm driving up the keys, I can see like, I'm like, Oh, that's where I had my leg there. And when my dad was visiting recently, we were driving through marathon 
and we passed the airport and I was like, dad, this is the stretch of the keys 100 that I hit at high noon. And I like stopped sweating. I was like, mm. I, I was not okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had to walk a little bit. I was like, this is where I walked a little bit. And <laughs> I was like, that's where I got picked up. And I yeah. was like, I was getting very dehydrated, possibly heat stroke or whatever it's called. Oh yeah. Well, uh, and yeah. it's, it's weird when you drive it. Cause you're literally just driving a hundred miles out into the ocean. It's just straight. There's one road in, one road yeah. out. It's, it's so bizarre. <laughs> um, so anyway, yeah. So yeah. that's, if you're not familiar, that's what it's like. It's it's a weird, but really cool place. It is really cool. And the Lower Keys is super pretty. And that's where the, sto- the story takes place is in the Lower Keys. The whole Keys are pretty, but Key Largo is more built up. It's close to Miami. And then after Key Largo, you hit Island Mirada. That's like the next big quote unquote city town whatever you want to call it um isla mirada it's uh i don't know it's known as like the bougie key you know there's like a lot of boutiques high-end restaurants what have you um and then after that you hit like the marathon area and that's like the next big quote-unquote town city what have you and then there's big pine and then there's uh key west and so between big pine and key west is a key called Kajoki. And this is where the story of Lily Lawrence Bow begins. So we're going to get into it. Um, so Lily Bow came down to um, Kajoki in the summer of 1904. At the time, Kajoki was very desolate and remote. And the nearest town, like I said, would be Key West, could mm-hmm. only get there by boat. And it was about a 20 minute boat ride to Key West from Kajo. It's about a 20 minute drive too. So <laughs> right, 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 right. There's that. Um, and like back in 1904, I'm sure all these other keys were very uh, desolate. Yeah. So uh, the only other residents were a few families uh, who made their living by making charcoal. Uh, oh. Yeah. And at that point, the railroad hadn't been built yet, but it was, I think, in the process of being built. Yeah, didn't they like build it like the 20s or the 30s? Let's look real quick. Uh, Yeah, because I remember learning about that actually when we were in uh, St. Augustine um, because Henry Flagler had a lot to do with that railroad. So uh, it was complete in 1912. Oh, okay. Okay. And called the eighth wonder of the world. I mean, seriously, though, because it's it's it a lot of engineering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so fun fact, though, side note real quick. They recently repaired the old seven mile bridge from Marathon to Pigeon Key. And so mm-hmm. now it's a little walking, biking, running type of bridge. That's cool. Yeah. I'm super stoked about it. And you can actually get walk to Pigeon Key now instead of taking the ferry over there. Hmm. And um, it's about two miles one way, so four miles round mm-hmm. trip. So it's a it's a pretty decent, you know, path yeah. run on, which is really nice. And it's like you know it because you've driven over the seven mile. It's right over the ocean, mm-hmm. so you're literally just like running over ocean. Yeah, yeah, it's super cool. It's, it's neat. They just opened it on Friday or Wednesday. You'll, yeah, this week this past. You'll week, have to go and, and let me know. Yeah, I'm super stoked about that. So yeah, so Lily Bow, she uh, moved down to Kajoki. It's, you know, not a lot going on down there. Um, she was from Chicago. She was college educated, adventurous, and loved the outdoors. 
but she was married to a man who loved to drink just a little too much. Some yeah. say he was an alcoholic. Yep. Um, possibly abusive. Mm-hmm. We don't know, uh, but definitely drank a lot. I feel and, like that's a common story for like that time period. Yeah, I yeah. would say so. Um, but she learned that it was possible to make a good living growing limes and uh, cotton in the Florida Keys. Other sources say she grew other fruits and um, also fished. So she did a lot of uh, living off the land, if you will. Yeah. And, and selling those products to make a living. That's um, the dream. Mm-hmm. Essentially like a farmer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, she had convinced her husband to move to the Keys with their two sons, who were 14 and four at the time, to start a new life together. They purchased a piece of land on Kajo Key. It was about 207 acres of hardwood hammock and salt ponds. They had a small cabin and several acres of lime trees. The cabin had only one room and shuttered windows that had no glass, um, which <laughs> in the Florida Keys... <laughs> The bugs can get pretty bad. So uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you would wonder how that worked out for them, especially if they're in a hardwood hammock kind of area. They're probably bugs around all the time. You gotta hope that it's mosquito netting was a thing. Right. Yeah. I feel like it must have been by the <laughs> put some put some cheesecloth up or something. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um the kitchen was just, you know, very small. It was a grill in a lean to lean to shed out back. Um so it wasn't a kitchen. It was just outside. <laughs> yeah. It was just, you know, pretty much it, painting the scene of them living in a shack on an island in 1904. Yeah. That's pretty much yeah, yeah. what this is. <laughs> um, she did have room enough for her p- upright piano, though. Okay. So she uh, had some nicer things around. Mm-hmm. Um, she planted a vegetable garden and raised chickens. Uh, their fresh water supply came from the roof of the cabin that was collected in barrels. So she's wow. very, very resourceful. Yeah. Um, her husband didn't like it much there. So he ended up leaving after a few months and she, he left Lily and her two sons to fend for themselves, which have <laughs> father of the year. Good for you. Mm. Um, and so at that point, she just kind of came to the conclusion that she was better off without him and was like, all right, I'm going to do this shit on my own. Sounds like it. Yeah. Honestly, so- like besides the fact that she doesn't have air conditioning or windows, she's kind of living my dream. Like I want to raise chickens in the Florida Keys like and grow limes. That sounds awesome. <laughs> right. It's like be super easy. I have pause on this we don't have to like cut this out but like just pause because mm-hmm. like on the story did i tell you how i had bought a lime tree and a grape that was grafted with a grapefruit tree and i picked one of the fruits because uh-huh. i thought the lime was ripe because everybody else told me that the lime was ripe and ready to be picked uh-huh. and i picked it and i cut it open and it was freaking pink in the middle and i was like that's a freaking grapefruit that was not ripe yet <laughs> <laughs> So it turns out I bought a grapefruit tree that was grafted with a lime tree and the lime tree graft died. So now I have a grapefruit tree. <laughs> Hope you like grapefruit. I do, but I just wanted more limes. And I'm like, what is happening here? <laughs> so yeah, that's, I've tried it with this and I failed. So I would not, I am not a lily bow. That's for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so gosh, where I left, I lost my place. But I don't know about the the weather part. Who knows? Maybe the cabin was like facing some sort of angle where there was a cross breeze that made mm-hmm. it kind of nice with the, if they didn't have AC. I have no idea. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Lily proceeded to, you know, have her own little life with her boys and they collected honey. They hunted some deer, they fished and set turtle nets. Cause you know, at the time you could eat turtle back then mm-hmm. and, uh, to earn money, uh, her and the boys would sail to Key West to sell their limes and other pro- produce. And um, she made friends with the neighbors. When it came time for the kids to go to school, she helped out in their classes and not just for her kids, but for the other neighbor children as well. And her neighbors paid her in products like vegetables, meat, and what have you. Um, so she was very resourceful and she really used all the skills that she had to you survive down there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even an account, I guess it says here in uh, the Island Jane magazine that I got my research from that uh, there is a book that's called the Florida Keys, a history of the pioneers by John Beale, I believe is how you pronounce his last name. And it tells a story of a teenage girl who came to Lily Bow to learn how to read and write so that she could win the affections of a boy. And apparently it worked out very well for her. <laughs> So that's just crazy. learning to read just so you can impress a boy yeah right it's <laughs> like I'm smart <laughs> um so yeah Lily had Bahamian neighbors who taught her homopathic remedies made from the plants and trees that grew on the island um and word of her began to travel because she was so well skilled or she had a, a great skill set and this man named William Crome happened to be the engineer for the overseas railroad at the time. Mm -hmm. And he was curious about this woman that everyone just kept talking about. So one day he took a boat over to her homestead and introduced himself. He was so impressed to find this well-educated woman actually making this lifestyle work for herself and her boys. Yeah. He admired her courage and determination and they had uh, the beginnings of what would become a lifelong friendship. Oh, okay. Yeah. And this is kind of uh, where she changes things up a bit because William, since he is involved with the railroad, started talking to her about how, you know, these railroad railroad workers were going to be coming down to build it. And there's going to be railroad worker camps on Sugarloaf Mm -hmm. and um, Sugarloaf is the next key down from Kajo. So it'd be be nearby. Mm -hmm. Um, And it'd be near her property. It's across the channel from her property which meant that hundreds of rough men would be moving into the area. Oh, and good. Yeah, he was. Con- and back then, I feel like, you know, that was probably a little bit more rough than what we would think today would be. Yeah, I, I feel like the keys were a little more lawless then than they They're are They're still kind of lawless <laughs> in their own way. <laughs> yeah, but there wasn't like like a police force walking around oh, Kajo Key like enforcing anything, not. right? Yeah, okay. it's very, yeah, very outlaw for mm-hmm. sure. And I mean, back then people came down here to hide. People still come down here to hide like mm-hmm. fugitives, you know. I see it all the time on the Monroe County Sheriff's Office Facebook page. There was recently... A man, I think he came from like Texas. I forget where he came from, but he came from outside of Florida and he, they, for some sort of like a uh, child abuse situation, I want to say mm-hmm. they found him in the keys. So people come, <laughs> people come down here to hide. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, William Crome talked to Lily about possibly moving for her safety um, and of course, being 
the woman that she is, you know, hardworking and innovative and what have you, she was probably also a little bit stubborn. Mm -hmm. And, um, she kind of went back and forth with him for a bit until she finally decided, sure, like she'll move. And, um, he did tell her that he would hire her oldest son for a job with the railroad and then make arrangements for her family to move to Miami. Okay. So she agreed. And, uh, so she ended up moving to Miami. Doesn't say, I think it's probably 1906 because says here she did it just in the nick of time because a few days after they left a hurricane came through in october of 1906 and Mm -hmm. killed over 100 of those railroad workers oh jesus so (laughs) she got out real like real quickly yeah um and so yeah when she moved to miami she worked as a music teacher um but ultimately she preferred the type of life she had on Kudjo that was really more of like farming and living off the land. So she applied for a homestead grant in Homestead, Florida, where she began to build a cabin and plant a citrus grove. And over the years, she was just very active in her community. Uh, she helped to organize the women's club and started a library. And now there is a library that is in Homestead that's called the Lily Lawrenceville Library. And fun fact in my research, I found that there was the city had no position for a librarian. So she was appointed as a policeman until, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) until I guess they had a position for the library. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of like, I don't know how that worked out, but that's what (laughs) some of these accounts say. and so she loved poetry and she wrote several books and published a pro- poetry magazine and had a column in the local paper. And um, so there's a, the poem here that's called Kudja that she wrote, and it's a very long poem. So I am not going to read all of it, Okay. but, um, but I can read some of it. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll read the first blurb here. And says, there's a little island named Kudjo. I lived there once. It was also long ago. No dreams of a highway to link the archipelago. Excuse me. With a Northland, some called the States. The keys all jade and emerald green. A chain of precious jewels laid on a sea of ultramarine. Blue, a different shade of blue from any color known to artists brush. It somehow holds the light of dawning day, the sparkle of the sun, and yet the hush. Of evening when the sun has gone and sometimes a frothy white lace. Swirls of swirls and foams along the keys till blown to spray it vanishes. Sometimes the setting sun turns all the blue to ruby red and gold to frame the unchained jewels. And sometimes all the sea is gray and cold. Sometimes a stormy fanfaron. Wow, that's a big word. Feeds <laughs> his way across this jeweled sea and sweeps away the sand and stone, leaving only mangrove roots to catch and hold. Bits of floatsome and tiny coral things, so lands may build anew. And she goes on for one, two, three, four, five more blurbs. And I am mm-hmm. not a poet. I do not know how to read poetry, so I'm sorry <laughs> if I butchered that. Um, so yeah, that's the story of Lily Bow. So there is a library in Homestead, Florida, named after her. And there is also a bridge slash channel in the keys named after her it's called bow channel and it's the bridge that connects kudjo to sugarloaf okay yeah. yeah so that's the little fun fact of the keys of how bow channel got its name mm-hmm. so yeah there's a little old-timey photo here i have an email already sent 
to you. Oh, okay. Yeah. And so stuff. I so I'll put it on the, yeah. On the Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, that's awesome though. I feel like sometimes it's good to kind of sit back and, and look at kind of normal people who are just doing their own thing and mm-hmm. thriving in these conditions that most of us would not be able to, you know, I feel like a lot of people tried to make a, a living down in the keys and weren't necessarily successful. And, and back in that day, I feel like you had to deal with all kinds of stuff. I mean, never mind the fact that like, you know, there's, it's really freaking hot. There's mosquitoes fucking everywhere and yeah. freshwater sources aren't really re- readily available on a lot of those islands. No. And like, I feel like a lot of people back then or it was probably more male dominated to try to make a living down here mm-hmm. too yeah and on top of that then you have to deal with things like hurricanes which they didn't really have accurate uh like forecasting for back then mm-hmm. um i mean considering the great storm of 1900 in galveston they had no idea that that thing was coming for them and it was going to be as bad as it was and, and that yeah. was just kind of like like so if you were out on that island it was like one day it was fine and the next day you know there's a hurricane so <laughs> just change it so fast right and i'm sure she experienced like her fair share of hurricanes while she was there yeah especially in miami they get hurricanes too mm-hmm. yeah so that's uh really really cool and we're gonna have a lot more i have a lot more women based um stories to talk about this year yeah. I'm pretty excited about but yeah it's nice to talk about lighthearted things for once <laughs> yeah <laughs> I know it is for real uh because I just love to bring the death and destruction um <laughs> yeah I mean like not that in my life right now so yes this is, this is a nice good one for yes sure. yes uh I will say the last one I did we had a, a, a survivor so I, I feel true I feel pretty good I mean, yeah. she was she was a badass so yeah talking about all kinds of badass women um so yeah so if you ever get a chance to go to the keys please do before all of the ecosystems and resources that make that place so beautiful are are gone yeah because um, that's unfortunately kind of how the whole world is going yeah it's a bummer <laughs> <laughs> it's a large bummer I was, was did I tell you this? Maybe I didn't. I can't remember. But when I was at that Surfrider conference, one of the talks was about how there's new studies out about how people who work in the environmental industry, like, you know, they're state government nonprofit, mm-hmm. like they're a little bit too far deep into like the climate crisis and Mm -hmm. it's causing depression Mm -hmm. and so like it's it was more or less like a talk about that data and then talk about like how can we better about like not being depressed and like you know just kind of like combat the anxiety depression that comes along with like knowing shit's hitting fan and no one fucking cares (laughs) yeah it's it is hard and I feel like I mean we are aware of the facts of what is happening every single day. There is not a paper that I have written that isn't linked to climate change in some way, because it is just so prevalent Mm -hmm. in every aspect of the natural world. Um, 
And it's just that that is something actually that when I was first getting into this field, um, I was working for the Bull Run Mountain Conservancy, um, which is like a big swath of um, like protected forest area on Bull Run Mountain in Virginia. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also where I decided that I didn't want to be a terrestrial biologist because <laughs> I don't want to trek through woods and stuff. But, uh, um, but so my boss was like, are you sure you want to go into marine biology? Cause it's depressing. And he's like, I mean, I know if like, you know, working here is depressing too, but it's like really, really depressing. depressing. <laughs> I was like, yes, sure. yes. I can't really imagine myself doing anything else except for maybe interior design that's that's probably the only it's other funny thing. you say that because i've gone back and forth about doing that too <laughs> <laughs> i'm like if all else fails i guess i'll just go get an interior design certification yeah. and just start working for an interior designer yeah and just make beautiful things like yeah. i'm okay with because like i don't know everything's just crumbling but honestly i still love what i do even though my project is not going according to plan right now but and, you know, climate change is real and happening. And let me tell you, I've seen the data and I do not get paid enough to lie. I just don't. Yeah. I don't get paid enough to lie about it. Um, and I'd, I'd rather it not be happening. I'd rather that we could all be like freaking Jacques Cousteau and David Attenborough and just go like find new animals and, you know, Talk study behaviors and ecosystems in you know, like a connectivity kind of way instead of a, what connections are we losing? How much diversity are we losing? You know, mm-hmm. what are we losing because of this? I'd rather not be doing that, but that's what we're doing. So yeah. Yeah. It's a bummer. Okay. Well, <laughs> didn't mean to bring. <laughs> it's like so- now the mood is killed. It's fine. Well, it. I feel like, I feel like we have this platform and we should use it to kind of talk about some of these Bring things awareness mm-hmm. and it's true. it's not just hey you brought up the depression thing i did no it's true i did that's my fault <laughs> my bad i'll accept it <laughs> whoops so you know if you if you really care truly care about the environment these are the things that you should be talking about with people in your family that don't believe it that don't understand it you know do your own kind of research to really understand the problems we're facing and not just like, Oh, everything's getting warm or, Oh, you know, get, get knowledgeable about it because that's our other issue is we have a very, yeah, we have a very undereducated or like scientifically undereducated populace right now. And that's partly scientist problems, but it's also partly just, you know, the country's problem. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, a large bummer so i'm gonna get off my high horse that's cool you can stay a little longer if you want <laughs> <laughs> i'm always honestly on my high horse so <laughs> i don't really dismount um <laughs> um well let's let's bring the mood up with um happy things Happy things. I got promoted recently. Yay. That's nice. Yeah. And a little bit of a pay bump. Well, what what are you promoted to? My title is now field marketing manager. Okay. Yeah. So, so you ma- you manage you manage people. Mm-hmm. I don't have anyone to manage yet, but I guess <laughs> that puts me in a position to manage people. So yes. <laughs> well, congratulations on that. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's a, it makes more sense. I mean, being an event coordinator and then doing all the stuff that I had been doing, I'm like, I feel very lost with what I'm supposed to be doing in this mm-hmm. organization. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So well, field good. marketing manager is the new title. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, I also actually got promoted. Woo, look at us <laughs> climbing that ladder. Yeah, it's literally just because I've been here three now- years now and haven't fucked up. Uh, so they're like, here you go. Yeah, so I basically, I mean, but it does come with the parries and all that stuff. But um, I'm basically no longer a biologist two. I am now a biologist three, cool. which will be good when I go to other yeah state departments um it's basically you know just you have more experience and um it'll be easier for me to get jobs in other mm-hmm. other state departments because they all kind of have a similar like system yeah i know fwc is bio one two three four yeah ours goes up to five okay maybe there's a five with fwc yeah. i've only seen things for up to four though but our fives are basically like uh, like managers and stuff. I gotcha. They don't really do the science part of it as much. I gotcha. Yeah. So anyway, so yay for Good us. Good job. Congrats. Yeah. yeah. Yay for us. Yeah. Woohoo. And it is nice to be home and back in a routine because we got back last weekend. Yeah. So we have not been back for that long. Yeah. No, we haven't. <laughs> we had it. Wow. We took a long trip. Yeah. We were, yeah, we were in Virginia back. till the 8th. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got back on, I think it was like the 3rd or the 4th. Yeah. I mean, we hadn't seen anybody in two years, so. That's true, yeah. So you need to do a long trip. Making the rounds. But anyway, so did you want to do any citations or did we already do that? I cannot remember. Uh, I did it within, but I can say it again. I <laughs> accidentally exited out of all of them, oh. but I can tell you it's uh, islandjanemagazine.com is... Mm-hmm the it's like a blogger lifestyle blogger that wrote about lily bow mm-hmm. um and then also wikipedia was the other source for lily bow gotcha okay uh, and then every other every other thing that i read really pulled sources from those two sites so mm-hmm. okay that's, that's really the two websites that have the info on it which is kind of shocking because it you would think that there would be more information about like her life and everything, but mm-hmm. it was really just like the the blurb of how she moved down from Chicago, lived off the land for a couple of years and uh, then helped, you know, while also helping the community and everything. And then, you know, railroad guy comes down and says, you need to get out of here. There's going to be some bad guys working on this railroad. And She's like, I'll hire your son if you get out. And she's like, all right. And she did. And then a hurricane hits. And, and she used her resources while she was living in Miami. And then she has a library af- named after her. And mm-hmm. now there's a channel down here that's named after her, too. So just, yeah. you know, one of the local historic figures, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You like know? a local, local legend. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just interesting. You would think that there'd be like a little bit more of information about her. Yeah. She was like a local legend. Gotcha. It's like Dolly Parton. You know, Dolly Parton is like such a freaking I, I've been watching a lot of Dolly Parton things recently. And I watched a documentary about her the other day, and she is just so well known in the mm-hmm. music industry. Mm-hmm. And like you know a little bit about her background, but you really don't know. Like she doesn't give 
like that information out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, she's married, but hardly anyone's ever seen her husband. Right. Right. And like, she talks about what it was like growing up back home, but like, you don't know all the details. It's like, yeah, she was like, you know, from the mountains of Tennessee, like had a lot of siblings, like, mm-hmm. you know, went to Nashville to have a music career and ended up on the Porter Wagner show. And that's like really where she got, where she got her big break and just kind of like s- snowballed from there. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was just like, you really don't know a whole lot about like her upbringing. Yeah. Well, and honestly, like, I don't, I don't blame, like, I think she's smart in doing that to kind of protect herself in many ways. Oh, 100%. Yeah. She's yeah. very smart for doing it. That's why I appreciate her so much. I was like, she is just such a smart woman, businesswoman, like singer, like she's just so great. And, and she like genuinely cares about people. Yes. You know? <laughs> she supports like the LGBTQ community. She supports like Black Lives Matter, all kinds of stuff that mm-hmm. a, you wouldn't think a country star would. Um, yeah. And she just doesn't care because she's such an icon that like, you know, you can't touch her. You yeah. can't touch her, you know? Yeah. She's so great. So it's like kind of similar with Lily Bo. It's like, you know, she does all these things, but like yeah. you really don't know anything about her background. <laughs> well, and it's almost like, is that because, you know, at the time women weren't as valued in society as yeah, like uh, men were? I know yeah. I kind of talk about this a lot, but it, it is part of the reason why we don't have stories about, you know, a lot of stories about women and stuff is because they weren't written down necessarily. Yeah. Like no one cared. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway. All right. So um, where can our listeners find us? Our listeners can find us on social media at Mother Nature Will Kill You podcast on Instagram and on Twitter at MNWKY on the websites. We have uh, Mother Nature Will Kill You podcast.com. So you can listen to us there or we are on all platforms like Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, what have you. Uh, you can listen to us there. Okay. And then if uh, you want to um, submit your own survival story, it doesn't have to be anything crazy. You don't have to have uh, gone homesteading in the Florida Keys <laughs> with no air conditioning. But if you have, we want to know about it. So um, you can submit the stories to our website, um, which is uh, Mother Nature Will Kill You.com. Or is it Mother Nature Will Kill You Podcast? Podcast.com. Yeah. Um, and there's like a story submission page. So go do that so that we can read your story um, on the podcast. And then also, um, if you want to support the podcast, one way you can do that without spending any money is to go submit a five-star review on any of the listening platforms that you use because it basically tells the computer algorithm to make us be seen and heard um, so that we can reach more listeners. Um, So if you do that, we'd be really appreciative. Um, And thank you so much for listening to us. Um, It's a new year, but we aren't yet a year old um, on this podcast. That won't be Mm -hmm. happening until I think the end of March this year. So we really um, appreciate the support that we've had so far, but we'd like to kind of um, branch out to new listeners. Oh, and you can submit reviews on Spotify now, by the way, which you couldn't before. I found that out uh, recently from another podcast. So 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, Interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, um, please submit those reviews. We'd really appreciate it. Um, next week um, is going to kind of be a long one. So get excited because we're going to do another mystery because I had so Woo-hoo. much fun doing those in October um, this past year. So we're going to, it's not a spooky mystery okay. necessarily, yeah. but it is a mystery nonetheless. So it'll be a good time. Um all right, so with that, we should probably end our podcast because you're kind of dipping in yeah. and out. <laughs> so until next time, stay safe, but most of all, stay curious, explorers. God, why do we suck so much? <laughs> <laughs> I'm oh, goodbye, everybody. <laughs>